This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, the barbarous nature of Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine was underlined once again last week when a dam, a huge dam on the Dnipro River, was blown apart. The dam is Russian-controlled, and uh, although Russia blamed Ukraine, uh, that is not a credible explanation, and it's clear that this was the work of the Russians. It has caused uh, massive damage uh, to the region. People have died. Arable land has been destroyed. Towns have been destroyed. There are 35 people still missing, including seven children. Uh, six people have been confirmed dead in the city of Kherson, and about 2,700 residents have been evacuated. And it's a pleasure now to welcome... Johnny O'Reilly, an Irish filmmaker and journalist who's in Herson in the middle of all of this devastation. Uh, Johnny, there's no validity to the Russian claim that this was done by Ukraine and what they've done, the Russians, is truly barbarous, isn't it? And and will have a long-lasting effect. It will, yes. Evidence is mounting that this was very much indeed a Russian... Uh, attack. They had control over that part of the dam which was destroyed and evidence is emerging of both uh, from seismic recorders and also from satellites that there was an explosion the morning that the water started flowing through. So there's no doubt in, in anyone's mind left that uh, this was a, a, a Russian decision to blow up the dam and uh, to, you know, re- reduce a huge huge reservoir uh, the size of Leinster um, and to destroy all the arable land around there for as long as it takes to uh, rebuild the dam, which could be years. Uh, Downstream from the dam, 80,000 people have, uh, have alongside on both the left and the right bank have uh, seen their homes flooded. Um, Now, the flooding obviously is just temporary until the water flows through it. But a lot of the uh, islands in the south part of Kherson were actually from reclaimed land after the dam was built. 
So it's likely that the uh, sea level will be too high for those houses to ever be used again until uh, another dam is built. And a, a dam of that scale will take a couple of years to build, and that will only start to happen after the war is over. So it's a devastating, devastating effect on the whole region. Yes, and there are dead animals. There are landmines also, Johnny, which the Russians had knew were there and planted, which are also swept along on this. And, of course, in the middle of it is the city of Kherson and the, the neighboring region. And this is shocking stuff. 77 towns and villages have been flooded. People have died. Children have died. And the intention, as we understand it here, was to hinder, interrupt what's now the summer offensive by the Ukraine uh, to take back land from the Russians. Uh, that was the reason that they did this awful thing. Yeah, that's right. The uh, whole uh, front line is about uh, 1,000 kilometers long, about 600 miles. And one quarter of it is from the reservoir down to the sea. So effectively what the Russians have done temporarily is blocked off any counteroffensive mood in that quarter, in that 150 miles. Uh, so, but only temporarily. By the end of the summer, it will uh, it, it it will be possible for the Ukrainians to mount a counteroffensive across what was a reservoir, and by the end of August, will mostly be a, a, a dry basin. So. Uh, Partly it's military, uh, it was a military decision in the short term, but a lot of people, a lot of analysts believe that they did not intend blowing up the uh, dam to such an extent that it flooded not only Ukrainian towns, but also their own positions. And uh, some speculation is that they only intended to do a minor flood to actually uh, flood the islands in the middle of the river, which had uh, become under Ukrainian control. So that's one of the reasons why it happened. I, I believe another reason is that Putin wants to demonstrate he, the, the capability he has of doing something so destructive because he is in control of the nuclear power plant at Zaporizhia. And in the event that the Ukrainian counteroffensive is successful south of that, uh, the the nuclear power plant is along the flanks of where that counteroffensive is taking place at the moment, and he probably calculates in his mind uh, some kind of a hostage situation of that nuclear power plant to give him yes. a battlefield advantage. And given what he's already done with this dam, um, he may well uh, secure some advantage by threatening to blow up the nuclear power plant. Yes, and the, the threats of nuclear action from Putin and also from Sergei Lavrov, who is the foreign minister for Russia, are constant now. And they've also, uh, Belarus has also been, well, they are allies of Putin's, but they have also been used as a source of threat. It, it seems, Johnny, as if there is some dissent within the Russian forces. For example, this fellow Prigozhin, uh, who is the head of Russia's Wagner group. These are mercenaries, people let out from prisons and 
They claim that they took control of Bakhmut, the city of Bakhmut, last month, despite what he called efforts to undermine his fighters by Ro- Moscow's defense minister, uh, Sergei Shogu. Now, you know, because you lived, uh, you live in Kiev and you have lived in Russia. The Russian defense ministry said on Saturday that Mr. Shogu had ordered all volunteer units to sign contracts with his ministry by the end of June. In response, uh, Prigozhin, the head of the Wagner group, said Wagner will not sign any contracts with Shogu. So there clearly are serious differences among the military people around Putin. Yes, there seriously are. And Prigozhin is leading the charge by telling the military truth to the public via his telegram channel. He's predicting huge losses for Russia following this Ukrainian counteroffensive. And he even went further and predicted that the consequences of that will mean that uh, people within the elite, in particular uh, the military uh, generals running the army from the Ministry of Defense, will have to face the firing squad. Um, so certainly he has gone rogue in terms of the messaging and the propaganda. And as things get worse on the battlefield, you can be sure that Prigozhin will, his voice will get louder. And he, you know, he, he will come out with, I told you so. This was exactly what he predicted. So Prigozhin has become a, a, a thorn in the side now of, of Putin's as well as the Ministry of Defense. So it's very interesting to see wh- where he takes this. To some extent, Putin must be relying on the Wagner group and uh, Prigozhin because he hasn't taken him out. And Prigozhin has been mouthing off, if you like, for a couple of months now, at least. Yeah, his soldiers are the most experienced and the most professional right. and the best organized. Um, so Putin is in a difficult position with them because he can't control them, uh, but he needs them. He's trying to control them now by getting them to sign these contracts. Yes. But we'll see how that, uh, you know, what happens there. It could be that Prigozhin gets away with not having to get them signed those contracts or somehow Prigozhin is forced into conceding that. But meanwhile, the big story is what Ukraine is achieving uh, south of Zaporizhia on the battlefield. We've had one week of the counteroffensive, and they have made some significant, although minor, um, advances. So if that continues, then you can certainly expect to see uh, bigger fissures within the uh, elite in in Moscow. Yes, and the the blowing up of this dam, among other things, was designed, was it not, Johnny, to delay and disrupt the advance of the Ukrainians? Yes, it, it, it was designed to do that and also to free up some of the best fighting troops that the, that Russia has. So it has already mobilized, moved many uh, battalion and fighting units from the Kherson region up towards Zaporizhia and Bakhmut, where the big fight is shaping up for uh, the, the from the Ukrainian counteroffensive. So it, it it's allowed Russia to uh, move resources to where it's needed most. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, in two months' time, that that land is going to dry up. And 
there will be a potential uh, for the U- for Ukraine to cross the river towards the end of the summer. Now you're in Kherson, which is a city. It's a very important city. The Ukrainians took it back, didn't they, from Russia, who had occupied it? What's the the mood like there? What's the situation in terms of flooding and the morale of the people? Because this can be a terrible morale blow when lives are being lost, but also your land, your sources of income, your villages and towns are being flooded all around you. How how are people coping? What is their mood? Well, this city has seen in the last year initially a a massive attack by uh, the Russian army in the first few days of the war, then a six-month occupation by the Russian forces, followed by a three or four months now uh, attack from only like two kilometers away across the river with uh, multiple uh, grad launchers and artillery and mortars constantly every day for the last three or four months. And now they have the flood. When you speak to people, they say easily the worst of all of those three uh, was the Russian occupation. Yes. Um, So the morale is still high despite what has happened here. People feel that they have defeated the, the, the Russians in this region, pushed them over to the other side of the river. Yes. And, of course, uh, for those who have lost their houses uh, to the flood, it's it's devastating. Um, but still, the morale remains high. I, I just came back from the uh, floodwaters where I witnessed uh, two boats carrying 11 children and three adults from a town called Aleshki, which has been uh, occupied uh, since the beginning of the war. Alyeshki is on the left bank and was a garrison town for the Russian forces until it was flooded. And one of the strange things about this flooding is that the soldiers who were on that garrison town and many of the frontline Russian positions, they were not told in advance what was going to happen. So all their positions got flooded. Many of them died. Uh, the flooding on the left side and the Russian control side of the river is much worse than it is on the right side because there's, the, the ground is much lower there. So a town like Alyeshki, which has a population by 40,000, has been extremely badly affected. So this family were rescued along with some children from their neighbors. And um, literally just an hour ago, I met them, we filmed them, and they had a terrible story to tell. They were um, they were trying to escape for, for the last few days because the flood put the Russian forces in disarray, even though they uh, kept snipers on, on high buildings throughout. They said that one woman told me that she thinks 100 people had been killed trying to escape. Yes, Olyevsky in the last week, um, but they managed to escape with the help of uh, NGO workers and Russian and Ukrainian special forces troops, and it was a lovely moment, wonderful moment. The kids, the family, everyone was crying. Yes, um, so th- there are, there are moments, little moments of triumph like that, which keep people's morale high. Uh, but certainly on the left bank, things are a lot worse than they are on this side because they're still under Russian occupation. No one knows what it's like. One can only assume that uh, from what was uncovered in places like Bucha, 
is that that's that's what's happening over there and has been happening for the last year. Yes, and uh, Bucha was a town not too far from Kiev, I think, but certainly there were war crimes committed. There was rape, murder of civilians. It's a shocking story what happened in Bucha, isn't it, Johnny? Yeah, it's shocking. Over four hundred, over four hundred people were killed in Bucha, yes. which is a, a satellite town just northwest of the city, a bit like Malahide yes. in Dublin. And um, unfortunately, wherever Russians have occupied Ukrainian territory, they have set up torture chambers. They have there have been summary uh, killings, um, and in a place like Alyeshki which has been a frontline town where a lot of the neighbors and the people living there would be transferring useful information back to the Ukrainian side about the Russian positions. So a town like that, uh, you know, people are, are under severe pressure with a lot of violence and a lot of death and murder. What should we look for now from this offensive and what will be the objectives? Um, clearly, the end objective would be uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Johnny, to retake the uh, territory that Russia initially took when they invaded. That is uh, one of the end objectives, yes, of course. But another objective is uh, to deliver a knockout political blow for Putin. And, and that can be more easily to achieve if, for example, they just reach the Sea of Azov and split the Russian troops in half. The, what they're trying to do at the moment is to reach a town called Tokmak, which yes. is just north of a city called Melitopol. Melitopol is the gateway to the southern shore of the Sea of Azov. If they reach there, then they split the Russian army in half and they isolate Crimea. They can then bomb the Kerch Bridge that leads, that connects Crimea to uh, mainland Russia and Crimea will be completely isolated. Yes. So that is one possibility that they're pursuing. And once Crimea is completely uh, isolated, then they're in a very strong position to fan out and to increase their uh, counteroffensive. But at the moment, one week after the counteroffensive has started, they're making good progress. They've captured uh, quite a wide swathe of land north of Melitopol, uh, probably about 30 or 40 miles wide in the, in the main counteroffensive push. And they've gone in some places as deep as 15 miles. Um, but it's a multifarious attack. They're also attacking, you know, further along the lines um, on both the east and the west side of, of Tokmak. So it's it's a fairly comprehensive counteroffensive, and so far it's going well. But there have been uh, uh, quite a lot of casualties and quite a lot of uh, American and British uh, new NATO-level equipment has been destroyed. Yes. So all, all the action is in the Zaporizhia region at the moment, Zaporizhia and Donetsk region. Yes, we're told, or we were told last week, Johnny, that uh, NATO trained 50,000 uh, soldiers trained by NATO and with the uh, weapons that have been sent by Germans, Americans, Britons. They were the core 
of this offensive and they were the people that uh, should make the difference with the equipment they had and the training they had. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. And m most of the uh, advances that have been taking place in the villages north of uh, Melitopol have been taking place at night because the NATO equipment has superior infrared technology. Right. Um, so certainly that's all, all happening at the moment um, and the, the NATO equipment is being used right now. And unfortunately, there's quite a lot of evidence that American fighting vehicles, Bradley fighting vehicles have been killed, have been destroyed, as have Leopard 2 tanks. Um, but still, they've made uh, good progress. Yes, and another factor in the military equation, Johnny, is that the artillery attacks by the Russians, uh, which many of which the attacks on Kiev, for example, uh, when you were back there, they were taken out. But to take them out, the Ukrainians had to use many of the missiles and weapons that they had received from the West. So they were taken out at some expense. That's right. The uh, anti-aircraft capability of Ukraine has improved a lot in the last six months, especially in Kiev and other big cities. Um, and uh, the most expensive of which is the Patriots system. Um, the Patriot Systems missiles cost up to $1 million each. Yes. Um, so the plan uh, from the Russian point of view is to throw multiple Shahid drones and other cheaper missiles at Kiev to uh, extract a cost economically yes. for America's support of the war. But um, the good news is that uh, almost 100% of these missiles have been knocked out of the sky from Kiev over the last month. So Kiev is almost like, uh, you know, the, an Israeli iron dome, but other cities are a bit more uh, vulnerable. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Now, uh, the question of time, Johnny, whose side is time on? Uh, by which I mean there would be a degree of pressure, I imagine, on Ukraine to make significant progress on the battlefield over the next two months, while the weather is clement and there is a significant advantage to Putin if he can hang on until, well, 2024, when his friend uh, Donald Trump may hope to be in the White House if he's not in prison. But these are factors in, in the equation, aren't they? How secure would American support be, for example, if the regime changes in Washington? All of these factors are in the, 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 the larger equation, aren't they? They are, yeah. The, the, the two most important factors are the capability of Ukraine to uh, push Russian forces back in this current counteroffensive and time. Yes. So if time is on Russia's side in that sense, if Ukraine cannot secure significant victory on the battlefield by late autumn, then you can be sure to see political support for Ukraine dissipate. Yes. And the voices grow, they're growing louder to push for a, some kind of a forced peace deal. But if Ukraine can demonstrate that it has the capability of routing or defeating Russia, then, um, you know, then those voices will be dimmer and they will consider, they will continue to receive American and NATO supplies and financing and support for uh, another year. Yeah, I just want to ask you a final question, Johnny, that may seem flippant, and it isn't meant to be flippant. It's, it, it's meant to illustrate the difference between the real world, which you are living in, and the world of war, and the soap opera that's going on in London. One of the first nations to support Ukraine, and in a meaningful way, was Britain. And one of the first Britons to lead that charge was Boris Johnson. Is there, I, I know you're a long way from home, but Boris has imploded, Johnny, um, and is now thoroughly discredited and ha, ha, is going to be kicked out or has been effectively kicked out of the House of Commons. Does that resonate at all? And the irony of it with the people in you, you talk to in Ukraine? It doesn't really, no. It's not really registering with people. People here are not even aware uh, of Boris Johnson's character <laughs> or political so difficulties. But yeah, they're, they're, they're aware of uh, his support for Ukraine. Yes. And he's well credited for that here. Even the Ukrainian media are not interested, luckily, in his personal soap opera. But certainly, uh, he, he was recognized. And I guess that the one shining thing that he has done in his political yes. career was to lead the charge for supporting Ukraine. 
um, it's something he should cling to because uh, there's not much else that he can really show. Johnny, we're very grateful to you for joining us today from Hearthstone in the middle of this uh, of the battlefield, really, and at the front line of it. Take care of yourself, and we salute your courage in doing the work you're doing. Thank you very much indeed. That's Johnny O'Reilly, an Irish journalist and filmmaker, and we're grateful to Johnny and to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.